yeah. Um, hello. This is the first episode hello. of the Waffle Boys, isn't it? So, yeah. This is called the Black Experience, and I have a special guest with me right here. Miriam, please introduce yourself. <laughs> hello, I'm Miriam. I am the special guest. And yes, you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so today, um, the topic is the Black Experience. Obviously, we're both of melanin skin, so yes. Black. So we're going to talk we're about some stuff end. that you know affects us, kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, just uh, jump into it. Um, <clears throat> being black in Britain. <laughs> being black in Britain. Okay, can I start? Yeah, yeah, yeah. start, start. Okay, so um, me and Teo, me and Teo are both very lucky to be living in Hackney, which is a very diverse borough. Even in London, which is a very diverse city. But obviously, I've lived in Hackney the majority of my life, but not a hundred percent of it. So when I was when I was very young, when I was about like three, four years old, I lived in Colchester, which is in Essex. And this was probably around 2007 to like 2009 I lived there. So it was obviously still very predominantly white. And I just found it interesting looking back about my experiences in primary school. Um, for example, there were times when I would be in primary school with all my little white friends and there was this one occasion where my friends, like my whole friend group, they split up because they were arguing whether or not to call me black or brown. <laughs> and looking back, the situation was so Struggle. bad because <laughs> it was like they didn't want to offend me by calling me black, but they knew that brown wasn't my race as well. And I just find, I find it interesting that they were sort of aware of, like, my race at such a young age. Because I feel like when you're young, when you're a child, like, stuff like race doesn't really affect who you're friends with or who you speak to. Like, I never used, like, when I was six years old, I never look at somebody who was, like, Asian and think, oh, I'm not going to be their friend because of this, that, and the other. So I just find that really interesting, living in Colchester. Yeah, let me not lie. I've not stepped foot out of London. <laughs> so like I've I've since I was born, yeah, I'm pretty sure yeah, since I was born. I've lived in Hackney. So yeah, oh. but I've had some experiences with other groups like my primary school and my when I transitioned to secondary school, there was many people of different cultures that mm-hmm. you know I used to hang around with. Yeah. So yeah, let me not lie some stuff did trip me up like from like young i knew that being black was different from being everyone else like mm, definitely stuff that like i'll face but someone that is you know white more face yeah like, one time this teacher was getting on my case for i think i was not doing any homework mm-hmm. and she's like oh i'm gonna call your mom i'm gonna call this <clears> and, <throat> do that. and i'm like okay cool but yeah. my friend that also did not do any homework, this guy would not hand in any revision, not hand in anything. Yeah. yeah. He would get got off, like, he would get got free every single time. Mm-hmm. I'm like, so you're just persecuting me for no reason. Like, what yeah. is this trying to do for my life? <laughs> Literally. Like, like what, what is this? So, like, it's it's nonsense. I don't lie. Sometimes it's nonsense, but sometimes it's actually pretty good. Like, just sometimes. being... And POC, 
Like, yeah, I don't. I don't think. Do you know what's so crazy? Like, I don't think I'd ever want to be any other color. Like our race, obviously, we experience lots of stigma and lots of issues and a lot of struggle. Like everybody else does, but obviously, yeah. we experience it on a different scale. On a massive. But I'm scale. never. I'm never gonna sit down. <laughs> And like look in the mirror and be like, damn, I wish I was white. Like, like I that's like, never gonna be a thing that comes in my Never had that thought. Like I'm I've very proud to thought. be a black man. I'm very mm-hmm. proud to be. As you like, should. It, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like I never thought let me change my skin colour. Like yeah. I never thought that because I like because obviously I'm like culturally I'm Nigerian. And I always see being Nigerian as like kind of like royalty to me, kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm from. I feel very a, happy to be Nigerian. Like yeah, I am definitely. a Nigerian. I'm an African man. I see, mm-hmm. like coming from like a someone that loves Africa, from like someone, someone, someone saying that I look African or I look Nigerian is a compliment to me because I love yeah. my own country kind of thing i don't yeah i don't know why that would ever be an insult yeah that would never be an insult to me like you say my nose is big cool i love my big nose like yeah thank you <laughs> like I, I like thank you like i love yeah. this nose like, i love yeah, my facial features yeah. as well like i'm very proud to be a young black well girl blossoming into a woman <laughs> but i have to backtrack, backtrack on what i said earlier like I did, I did say I've never looked in the mirror and think, hmm, I want to be white. But I do remember when I was around five or six years old, I did want to be white. <laughs> and I was saying why, like, watching TV and watching shows, like, whether it was CBBS, CBBC, Cut, like, not Cartoon Network, obviously, but, like, Nickelodeon, all the people I was seeing on TV, like, all the kids, they were white. Um, so like watching iCarly, watching stuff like Victorious, these people were white, and I thought it was so cool to that they were act um actresses, and I thought it was so cool that they were experiencing life, and I found it funny, and I was just like, well, why can't I be white? Like I remember always thinking to myself, I wonder what age I'm gonna get blonde, <laughs> and it sounds so <laughs> weird, but as a young girl, like. You know, even with things like the toys I used to play with, um, obviously now my younger sisters, they have black Barbie dolls and they have black dolls with with, um, 4C textured hair and I love that for them. But I didn't, you know. I'd read books like, what's it called? What is that series of books we'd read to learn phonics? Was it Biff and Chip or something like that? And the characters in it were white. I'd be um, playing with my dolls and my dolls were white. I'd be watching TV and the characters I was seeing were white. Mm. So I think it was something about continuously seeing white people everywhere, white, 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 that made me think being white must be so lit. Like, wow, like, I thought everyone should be white. And it's really messed up, but I was so young. I just, that's just what I thought in my head. Like, I'd always look at myself and I'd be very angry. Like, I used to, I think I created like an alter ego. <laughs> Man said alter like, ego, you know. I had like a whole alter ego, and my name is like Lily or Bethany or something. Jesus Christ! Some crap like that, and I just like, like even when I was young, I hated my voice because I thought my voice was too deep. And I would like look on TV, and I think all the little white girls they had such like cutesy, high pitched voices, and I'd always try and make my voice sound higher than it was. 
And looking yeah. back, it's just, um, I think it's sort of like the way the media represents the us. Represents us. Yeah, there wasn't any representation. There was none. When there I was, was growing none. up, when I saw white boys on TV, I was like, yo. Yeah. <laughs> like the was... only source of like black people I ever saw was like Boondocks. <laughs> and that's the main fact I live by. That's the main fact I live by. <laughs> I love the Boondocks. Like, that's to be top um, 10 season, like, series of all time. Uh, like, yeah, definitely. I love that show. If you don't, if you've not watched the Boondocks, go and watch it. Find we it. Recommend on it. We heavily recommend it. Go, go and watch it. It's so funny. Stream it. But like, you to. <laughs> literally, that's what I was doing. But like, um, even I know, like my um, my aunties and my uncles, they grew up watching cartoons like The Proud Family and and um, cartoons like that. And I just find it so weird that I never, until recently, like having Disney Plus. I never even knew like there were cartoons with all black families in it. And I just find it so weird. But even then, I used to, I was very envious that they got to grow up watching that and I didn't. But then looking, watching the stuff like The Proud Family now, you can see there are very, there are lots of discrepancies in it. Like you have the typical dark skinned man with the light skinned wife. Um, you have the ghetto ratchet friend, Dijonet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yo, that yeah like it was just a, a common factor in all like because i'm watching lots of cartoons now and obviously disney plus has a lot of their old cartoons up on there and lots of these cartoons are cartoons with just all black families in it and it's like or even shows like shows like moesha you have um you've got obviously brandy in it who i love and then you've got um kim who was sort of seen as like the loud boy crazy hypersexual ghetto friends and i feel like watching all these shows that were filmed back in the early 2000s or like the late 90s is like the people who were producing and directing these shows they were like low-key okay. racist yeah they were low-key racist, low key like, racist. Okay. <laughs> they were like okay we're giving the black people what they want but they shouldn't expect too much from it, you know? Don't expect, no, don't even expect anything good from like, it. We're going to make you look like you're from thing. the slums of Africa. Yes. Kind of thing. Like, you want a black show? Okay, we're going to give you a black show. <laughs> like, like it makes no sense. Like, makes and no for sense. example, like, as you're talking about, like, representation in the media, mm-hmm. the way that they can, like, portray us in, like, movies, like, my worst kind of movies to watch is, like, What's the name? Like Black Pain movies. Because, like, I've already seen enough oh, slave movies. Years a slave. 12, 12 Years a Slave. Um, yeah, that one hit me hard. Let me not lie. <laughs> that one hit me hard. I'll be and... so real. I, I avoid watching those type of movies. Like, I've never watched 12 Years a Slave. Yeah. I've never watched Fruitvale Station. I've just heard about it, but I, I just don't feel as though I must be obliged to watch it because I'm black. Yeah. Like, I'd if... rather watch a movie like Django that Unchained. That celebrates black culture. Yeah, like, I'd rather mm. watch a movie like Black Panther. I'd rather watch a movie like, yeah. what's your name? Judas and the Black Messiah. I'd rather watch mm-hmm. movies like those where, like, okay, you address, like, the black struggle, but, like, you but make it's it not all what it's about. It's not, oh, oh, you get murdered, you get hanged, you get lynched, you get this. Yeah. I'm like, no, I want to see us succeed in something kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, not yeah, all the time we be killed on the streets. It's not the time. <laughs> it's actually not all yeah, the time. Yeah, it's not every day. Like, I think... <laughs> There's a movie out on Netflix, like a short film. I forgot what it's called, but I was speaking to my stepsister about it the other day 
And it's basically just a movie about a black man who gets killed by a police officer and he has to keep reliving it or something. Oh, it's Joy Badass. It has Joy Badass in it, doesn't it? I don't know. I haven't watched it. I just, I've, I've seen I, it. I know, I, I know you're talking about, yeah. Um, like, I think what? it's like Reapy or something. Especially in this day and age, like, what made Netflix think, yeah, yeah. this, yeah, they will love, the blacks will love this. Yeah, let's just, like, I just don't understand why that would be a mm. thing, which is why I'm just not going to watch it. Like, it's, yeah, you it's, stay it's away sort from of notes. like, especially like, I know a lot of shows, for example, Top Boy, that get a lot of backlash and controversy because mm. they only display one side of being black type thing. Obviously, not everybody in Top Boy is black, but majority of the cast, you know, they, they are yeah. black. Um, the show is filmed in... In Hackney. In Hackney, but in I think... Like local. In, yeah, it's, it's filmed locally to us, like Hackney um, and other boroughs boroughs. local to us. And it's like, these are boroughs where we know that gang activity, gang involvement is very high. high. Very high. You know, they even featured London films, London films, gangs. When I was was watching it, when I was watching, I was like, yo, this is right next to my house. What's going on? Literally. (laughs) Literally. ah, It's a good series, though. Never lie. It's a very, yeah, it's a good series. Like, we love it. But then you have. you have movies, especially produced by Jordan Peele, like Us mm. and Get Out, that, I mean, Us is less about blackness. And I love that because the cast are all black. Um, well, some of them majority are. Majority black. Yeah. Yeah, the cast is majority black. But I love the fact that it's a fictional movie where the where fiction is all live. about blackness, about being in a gang, about yeah. our ancestors being slaves, about how we're persecuted daily for the colour of our skin. Like, I love that. That's what I love. I love us. I rewatch it, like, every week because it's so refreshing to mm. see a movie, especially, that isn't all about, you know, the bad side of being black, I suppose. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of, and a lot of producers... Live, I think. Yeah, it has a lot of... It's just... It's a creative piece of art, I think. Yeah. And... I can happily call it art because it's not just about black bad girl, like you know. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I feel but... like a lot of producers and directors definitely need to take a page out of his book and yeah, learn how to have black shows, black movies where black it's not freedom. Yeah, like, where it's not all about these horrible things that happen to us, you know. Yeah, but I mean, like they are important to know, but not everything they're important to know, to and it's like. I feel like that's an argument I hear a lot that if we stop teaching slavery in schools and if we stop um, teaching things about race in schools, then how will history ever continue? And it's like, yo, trust, we we know. We're going to tell our children about this stuff. Like, been it's, not gonna like, be not, it's not going to It's not going to be forgotten. We're not going to forget this. It can never be this. forgotten. <laughs> but they, I feel like white people especially feel like they just need to remind us, like, yeah, this is like, what you were. Like, 400 were. years ago, you were a slave. Yeah, you were this. <laughs> like, you, you were, were a slave. Beat, <laughs> like, that's what they expect us to know. And it's just not something very nice to constantly have to learn about. It's like, I see yeah. it every day. I know, but I read about it. Pretty draining. I am it, you know, it's draining, it's tiring. Very draining. And like, when we look to shows for entertainment, um, for a sort of sense of escapism, 
and we're just back where we are. Like, it's just, uh, it's, it's just... a catch twenty two kind of like you can't escape yeah. kind of thing. But yeah, moving on from that, like the way that media kind of like modifies us as well mm-hmm. is also very important because if you look at like how sports commodifies black people as well, like you know, like mm-hmm. with um, it's his name Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, Colin Kaepernick. Like, when he knelt for the thing for the national anthem and Nike just mm-hmm. turned him into like a promotional thing. You're yeah. like, like Nike, cool. You support Black Lives Matter. They ain't more angry with, but I had to pay two hundred pounds for a sneaker to tell me that my life matters. Kind of thing, <laughs> like, like you like. I didn't even know there was a new. sneaker. I didn't not know that. I actually like, didn't we, know like that. we actually like been new. Like, yeah, I know my life matters, but. Like, don't use our message for, you know, your own self. Promotional, like, don't monetize it. Mm, like, don't I monetize hate... our struggle. Yeah, like, definitely. <laughs> like, it's only, like, so annoying because, like, one thing I can credit sports on, though, like, with the NBA, like, they mm-hmm. were the first ones to actually say Black Lives Matter and, like, promote it in a good way. Yeah. the people were, like, will wear jerseys or make sure during, like, um, what's the name? The games <clears throat> will have like promotional messages saying your life matters, kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah, let me not lie. But like I other think... other things, just it seems like they're trying to like sell our struggle, kind of thing. Yeah, and they are trying to, and they're trying to sell it back to us, you know. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> that's cool, what, that's what's like so funny cool, we about get it. it. Don't direct it towards us, direct it to yeah, someone else. Trust, we understand. Like, I am aware that my life matters. I am you aware of the struggles I'm going to experience as a black woman in this life. I'm aware, I know, and I'm, I'm trying to mentally prepare myself. I don't think anyone can, but I'm trying to. I don't need you to sell mm. me a shirt and give me a little badge and a smile on your face to let me know about that, you know? Yeah. But the, well. com- um, the commodification of black bodies, okay, um... I think it's very interesting how um, black people aren't seen as successful without like having a catch towards it. Like, for example, yeah. a lot of companies, a lot of corporate businesses, they like to do this thing called diversity hires, which is where they just like hire people of um, eth- just um, ethnic backgrounds to sort of fill a quota or to make it look like they're not racist. Yeah, And I find it really interesting because it's like, I would hate to get a job, like a really good, well-paying job, knowing that it's simply because I'm black and not because of what I've achieved in life and my merits and because I have a degree and because I get good grades. Mm. And I think that's really messed up in a way because it's like, you're trying to make it seem as though you're not racist whilst being racist in a way. Yeah. It's kind of like a microaggression, kind of. It is kind of like a microaggression, because it's like, oh, we don't want to look racist this year. Let's hire five new black people. Let's hire three Asians. (laughs) Let's go crazy and throw in somebody from India in there. Like, (laughs) (laughs) it's like, yo, am I here because I'm black or am I here because I deserve this job? Yeah. And I think it's really frustrating that if I do end up working in the corporate or offices, um, corporate world, which I don't really see myself doing anyway, I have, yeah, to I, question, I have to question, like, why I'm actually there. Mm. And I think that's really weird. But then if you look at things like sports, on the other hand, 
if we look at all these famous basketball players in the NBA or any other basketball associations and they're black, you look at them and you think, yeah, that's a great athlete. Like, wow, he can he can dunk. Like, wow, like you he's think, six foot yeah. three. He's definitely good. Like, <laughs> literally, like, like people have come up to me saying, "Do you play basketball?" Uh, because I'm six one, like, do you play basketball? Do, do like, do you play basketball? And I'm like, yo, I hate leave me alone. How, <laughs> I hate how the only thing that we could only be good at without question is sports. And like, this that, is coming from and music athlete, as well, like, and music as well, and music, sports, and music. I hate how um that's the only things that we could be good at without a question whether or not it's about our um our skill and our craft, our ability. Yeah, like, rather than our skin color. That's really crazy to me. Like, if you tell someone, let's say I was black, uh, as if I am, I thousand black, but let's say <laughs> someone was black, right? And they mm-hmm. say, oh, I'm going to be like an artist, like yeah. uh, like, like juror, mm-hmm. or like someone like an engineer. Yeah. They'll look at you sideways and say, huh? Yeah. Like, don't you want to like, be a rapper, dog? Like, don't you, like, like, don't you be trapping? Like, don't you want to yeah. be like, rearing down like, the road with your little skewer? Like, no. Literally. Don't you want to run? Don't you want to do a little sprint for us? <laughs> like, what? Like, 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 run right now. Like, let me see your yeah. pace. Like, literally. <laughs> like, and it comes, it's very strong coming from me because um, if you know me personally, you know that I love running. Like, I, I'm i looking at my medals, all my gold medals here from um, 100 meter sprints and things. Like, I'm, I was very big into sports when I was younger, but as, I grown, as I've grown up, I've sort of gotten out of it for a number of different reasons but one of them is definitely because because i'm i don't want to be seen as a good athlete because i'm black like because i'm black yeah she she definitely she's definitely fast yeah she definitely knows how to she run definitely has some speed on her yeah she yeah she got some speed on her that one <laughs> like, if, if she was in a plantation right now i know she would run like like those <laughs> It's so like those kind of ones. It's, it's, it's so bad. crazy, it's and bad. I love how um when we think about things like the N word and the use of it in everyday life, especially with Black people, like there have been a lot of conversations amongst us Black people that should we even be using the word as liberally and as freely as we do because of the painful history behind the word, and you know um the main reason we do use it is as a like a, I don't say like thing. It's like like something that you say to your like your brothers or your friends. Like yeah, that. we sort of use the word. We use it in a. It's something that was used sense. as negative reinforcement, but we've changed it into like a. Mm, and it's kind of positive, kind of thing. Yeah, I'd say like kind of, kind of friendly. Say, yeah, like a friendly type thing. Yeah, and I love how, especially in regards to music, like um, like we've established a lot of rappers that are black. Um, use the word frequently um, whether it's Jay-Z, Snoop Dogg J. Cole, Kendrick, all of our favourite rappers, they use this word and as they should, you know, they're black they're able to use this word but then it's like when their white consumers are listening to this music and have the audacity even if they're by themselves, have the audacity to utter the word and it's like somebody would call them out for it and they're like oh well this person uses it so why can't I? And it's just like, like wait, Miriam, have you seen that clip of like I think it was like a sports commentator and they were like arguing about like who gets to say the N word? Oh They're yeah, like, he was say like, say it, innit? Say it, say it. And he didn't want to say it. They're like, I'll even give you the pass right now, say it. And like and he was just he, so he quiet. felt fragile. He felt fragile because a black exactly. man finally said, Cool, say it. I won't mm-hmm. do anything, say it. 
<laughs> and he's like, and I'm, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. Because uh, they know, you know what wrong. it means. They know, what, you it know means. what it means. Yeah. They just want to use that sort of music thing as an excuse to just be just arrogant. Blow, like, oh, this black woman, she, she caught in front of me like, oh, you bloody N-word. <laughs> <laughs> like, I should have kept you in a goddamn porch, I swear to God. Literally, like, 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 like you used to call my people massa. <laughs> that kind of stuff. It's, oh, and, no, it's too like, much. It's and the problem is, like, the problem is as well, like, as you were talking about before, it's like, mm-hmm. kind of, like they infantilize it. Like, oh, I don't know what it means. Yeah, they fantasize. Like, they you fantasize know what it means. About using the word. Yeah. And they, like, and like, you know I've literally means. watched white people bend over backwards doing some sort of mental gymnastics thing, trying to justify why they should be allowed to say it. Because, you know, it's like, not them who enslaved our people. So it doesn't mean the same thing for them. You know, it's not them who's putting yeah. their music. So it doesn't mean when they're at a concert and they're screaming along. Same. This like this guy that's of East Indian descent, right? He was trying to explain to me how he can say the N words, and he was like, "Oh, the mm-hmm. British also oppressed our people." I was like, "Cool, are you African? <laughs> are, that is do, do, make, were that you on the ship? Sense. Are you on the ship?" Like, and sorry, you know not what? West, I find, West, I find... West Asian. Sorry. Um, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I was like, were you on the boat? Were you literally was that was that word used as a derogatory term to try and put your people down for how many for how many centuries? I was about to say years, as if it wasn't centuries. Yeah, like you wouldn't tell me that like I can say your racial slurs. I would I wouldn't say your racial slurs. So in the same way, don't be policing what I can say. I'm policing Mm. what you can say, kind of thing. And I feel as though like this is for any black people listening who let their friends say it do better take a no really take a long hard look in the mirror and do better because the words is very very popular amongst young boys who are turkish who are um from the middle east who are arab and i find it really asian boys i know a lot of asian boys that say it but they'll never say it to my face but i know they're saying it behind my back to refer to their friends because it's sort of um i think as well as the fear of black people there's also some sort of um, i don't know if envy is the right word but i do realize that black men black people in general are i mean i don't mean to sound kind of arrogant but we are the blueprint for a lot of things yeah a lot, a lot of stuff pop a culture, lot of stuff a lot of fashion music but we are the blueprint yeah and i think because we are the blueprint although people don't like to admit it they know subconsciously that we are the ones and it's uh, okay that sounded sort of a bit fascistic right there yeah black um but like we are the ones and it's like I feel as though that's why I see it in schools as well. Like I see it amongst friend groups. There's always, um, there's always, you know, the cool black boys, you know, everybody mm. wants to be that cool black boys. I see a lot of people with very one um, A type hair trying to get waves and stuff, trying to get nice. Look, it's just like, um, babes, it's okay. Like just be you. Like it's not by force to want to impress the black man. Cause as well as trying to condemn and put down the black man people want to be the black man do you get it yeah people because 
I don't think I've They want to beat us without our struggles, basically. Yeah, they want to... Yeah, definitely. They want us minus all the bad stuff that comes with it. Like, the amount of white people I've seen with braids and then in the same breath say, oh, what's the name? How that phrase this? Like, they say the most bigoted stuff about black people. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yo. Word, like, word, 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 They will culturally appropriate us. And then they'll um, when they when they get called out for it, they turn around, do a whole one eighty, and be like, "No, it's not cultural appropriation; it's cultural appreciation." And I feel like with those two topics, it's such a thin line that Way I just thin. wouldn't. It's if I was minuscule. It's bro, the line is hardly even there. It's like <laughs> it's non-existent. <laughs> it's like you could be doing something because you're appreciative of a culture. But then one wrong move, and all of a sudden, you are appropriating that culture. And that's something that we all need to admit to ourselves. I feel like, um, I'm not saying black people are innocent, because a lot of people... Yeah, we are guilty. We're not not innocent. We're not innocent. We've got a lot of guilt in um, terms of stuff like the sexualization of um, East Asian cultural dresses um mm. i don't know the proper term for it so i'm not going to try and attempt to think of the name for the dress you know the one like the i think you know what dress i'm talking about is it a yeah no, no okay no. and let me say you know it. you have you have the high thigh slits and the, the 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 bum cheeks just popping out and it's like it's it's i feel embarrassed when i see black girls wearing that crap yes Keisha. it's like Yo, you're you're actually appropriating this culture. Like, this is something that's a, um is quite um special to Asian people, and here you are just trying to sexualize it and make it some sort of fashion trend. It's like yeah. with the chopsticks in the hair. Now, again, with the chopsticks in the hair, I do see people come up with the defense that they are not chopsticks; they are hair sticks, and there are hair sticks, and hair sticks were very popular in Africa. In they date back to African culture, but. I've seen people blatantly just put chopsticks in their hair, and there's yeah, no, they it, yeah, there's no like, like trying to work their way around that. Like, yo, those are chopsticks. That's I personally see that as offensive, and if you don't, then there's something wrong with you. There's no way mm. you can look at somebody else and be so quick to point out their errors and their mistakes and their cultural appropriation without taking a long, hard look at yourself and be like, oh, well, actually, I do this too, you know. I feel that's very hypocritical and it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, but sorry. <laughs> I just had to drink some water. Sorry. I was, <laughs> I was, bed I was like, oh, because I left. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, on on top of that, yeah, like one thing I've also seen is that, you know, like the state, it kind of also perpetrates some of these like, microaggressions too, to like a point. So, like, you know, like, with healthcare, like... <laughs> okay, please don't get me started on healthcare. <laughs> healthcare it's, for black so people and people of colour is way more harder to, like, especially, like, okay, one thing I can vouch for, yeah, here, the medical mm-hmm. services are way better than in the US. We can all say that. Yes, because facts. our medical system is not... Our healthcare system is not a business. So yeah. It's actually the healthcare Well, they're system. trying to turn to a business, but it's not a business for now. <laughs> but, yeah, but with the rates of which like POC or people of colour are, you know, what's the name, treated in hospital, are way less, you know, sec- like satisfactory than the white mm, There's a lot of There's a lot of medical negligence. Um, and I wouldn't say, I'm not going to say 
amongst ethnic minorities because it is medical negligence amongst ethnic minorities but i've literally seen statistics that show it is like five times worse for black people especially and i'm gonna say this as a black woman with a Mm. hopefully fully functioning functioning uterus right now um when i have my children um there's a four time there's a um i'm four times more likely to die than my white counterpart um i'm Mm. Twice as likely to die than my Asian counterpart. Pardon? It's 4.25, I think. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Sorry, sorry. It's not off my heart, I'm sorry. That's like, it's really upsetting and actually really crazy to think about because then I start to look at all the black women around me um, in my life who I know have had children who've been able to survive from that. Um, And I think, I just thank God because it's like, well, thank goodness. I like when I have a child. Um, fingers crossed, like five to ten years from now, when I start popping babies, <laughs> I don't have to go into a hospital worrying about what doctor. If is I'm gonna, gonna leave this place, if yeah, if okay. I'm gonna leave this place alive, if I'm gonna be able to leave this place alive, if my partner, um, my husband, whoever I'm having my child with, is gonna leave with two people or one. And that's something that scares me quite a lot. And I've spoken to my friends about this before. And I said, well, and they they try to always um, sort of make it seem as though I'm being paranoid. And it's like, you've not seen the It's a very rational fear. Yeah, it's a very rational fear. You've not seen the case studies. You've not seen the documentaries about how these black women are dying in birth or dying in labor or dying in hospital due to the fact they're black like why would i have to worry like i'm literally bringing a a whole new human into this world and my main worry is i'm going to be appointed a racist doctor and this doctor isn't going to care if i'm bleeding too much he isn't going to care about what position i would like to birth in that's more comfortable for me as the person who's literally pushing a baby out of my lady parts you know I've said to I've said to my I've said to my family members especially like look when I'm when I get to the stage where I'm pregnant I'm gonna give birth at a birth center um I'm going to make sure I get the right um midwife the right person who's gonna deliver my baby or I'm going to give birth at home in Nepal because I don't want to risk I don't want to risk my life birth mm. um giving birth already is a very risky thing you know That's it's a very life threatening thing to have to give birth to another person. But the fact that it's being escalated further due to the colour of that person's skin, I think is actually ridiculous. And I think nobody should have to go through that. And I feel like a lot of women, especially, we need to do our research more on the mortality rates with pregnant women who die in labour, who are black, because even the ethnic minorities, um, if you're Asian, South, or East, um, South Asian, Oriental Asian, um, just any ethnic minority, you need to do research on how likely it is you're going to die because you need to be aware you're stepping into this hospital you're going to give birth to another human but there's a possibility you're not going to come out of that hospital and be able to raise that human i think it's very sad and it's not just pregnancy it's with um the diagnosis it goes for everything else i'm just talking about pregnancy because it relates to me as a as a girl yeah you know i'm gonna give bait i'm gonna um start giving birth well, not start. Sixteen. <laughs> I'm gonna be given birth in the next five to ten. Better years. hold off right here. <laughs> oh, don't do too early. Not too early. Not too early. But it's like even with the um um diagnosing black people with um mental sickle issues. Cell. Sick. Oh, sickle cell. 
That's um, a things very like point autism, issue. things like um, diabetes, depression. depression, especially like drug addiction, all these things. It's harder for us to be diagnosed or we're more likely to be diagnosed at a later stage of our life because, you know, the doctors didn't think in their minds that, oh, let me just check this person for this. This person is displaying symptoms that they might possibly have this condition. Let me check because I am a doctor and my job is to care for other people and to make sure that they have good welfare. Like, that's not something that comes up in certain people's minds. Yeah. And I think it's, it doesn't make any sense to me why you would even want to become a doctor or a nurse or if you ain't um, gonna help people. A hospital like, staff if you're not going to help people based on something due to the how much melanin pigment they have in their cells. Um, yeah. It's something really stupid to me. And it's something very interesting that I would love to do more research on because, quite frankly, it's ridiculous that um, I could be depressed. Um, I hate self... I don't want to self-diagnose myself, but, you know, I as a teenager, we all go through our times. But if I go to a doctor and I genuinely am depressed and they look at me and they're probably going to be like, oh, this black girl, she's, she's been overdramatic, da-da-da-da. It's the same with... Um, when people get shot or stabbed or are in pain or something, it, we're less one. likely to get the drugs oh we God. need to ease that pain or the right medicine, um, um, being prescripted medicines. We're going to get prescripted the wrong medicines at some point because yeah. the doctors, they've looked at us, they've determined that because we are this skin colour or this race or this um, religious background that, yeah, we can deal with the pain more or we don't need this. If I give this mm. person this, they're gonna become addicted to it when that simply is not true. It's yeah. just a stigma that needs to be erased because you can't be having doctors being taught that a black woman is more likely to become a drug addict. So don't give her these drugs if she asks for it. If she's literally in pain, don't give it to her because she is probably gonna get addicted to the drug. That probability I mean, is no I sense. personally believe is a small probability. So it's pseudoscience at best. Yeah. Mm, like, it's not it's not something that's like it's not a proper like it's not a well known fact that yeah black people are more likely to be addicted to this substance or this substance. It's just a, it's a, it's a stig it's a stigma and it's like you said, what did you say pseudoscience? It's yes a pseudoscience. It's, it's a pseudoscience that it's just another excuse, basically, as to why we deserve to be mistreated. I yeah. think that's really weird and crazy to me. Yeah, like, what I was going to say. Before... Gonna face every day, like. Oh, yeah, sir. Go, go, go on, go on, go on, sir. You keep speaking. Keep yeah, I was going to say um, <laughs> the microaggressions we're going to face throughout our lives, whether that's in education, in our jobs, um, even at home, for those of us who have like a. A, a partner of a different race we're going to experience microaggressions from them or their family like i know a lot of this is something that i've always wanted to touch on i always find now this might sound a little bit outlandish but i have my reasons for thinking this i always find white men who marry or date black women and make it their personality trait very very suspicious yeah now, they notice them. how i said when they make it their personality trait i don't mean if you just date black women like i'm not saying anything about that like date who mm. you want like i don't really care it doesn't affect my life but if you make it your personality trait like 
oh, my wife's this, my wife's that, my wife did this, my wife did that. Starts to sound like gal. <laughs> yeah, it sounds it's very, it's going to be very girl vibes. Like, baby, girl, like, your wife needs to get to divorce. Like, you're yeah, not the like, right person for that woman. Like, oh, man. yeah. Like, with one thing they see with people that fetishize, like, different cultures, they mm. have very bigoted beliefs. You know, they don't want to believe it. Like, the mm-hmm. fact that they find, okay, let's say, for example, the black example, the black woman example. People yeah. that fetish as black women, they do mm-hmm. say, oh, they have, you know, big bums. They have big this. Big breasts, big, big hips. Oh, they have, they're, so they're, they're very, what's the name? They're very, how do I say it? Promiscuous. Very promiscuous. They're, they're, they're good in bed, you know? And like, mm. like yo, calm it down. You need to feel that. Calm down, Roger. You need to calm your ass down, like, mate. Calm like, it down. <laughs> Like, like you're saying that are just like stereotypes that you've made up in your head, and mm. if they, and most times if they don't like if the partner that is you know black or another race they'll, if live they don't up live up to, to the expectations. expectations they get angry like yo yeah like you set like, yourself up for this mate because nobody told you I was gonna like no one told you they're like this you told like, yourself that <laughs> like what and you did. I feel like, that stereotype, that is a very important stereotype, the sexual um the sexualization of black women and black men as well, because we yeah. all know the BBC jokes, the man the mandango jokes. We all know we all know Yeah, we all know them they once you go black you don't go back. We all know those things and it's like um especially in today's media, if I go on Instagram right now, again as a sixteen year old black girl who's going through puberty, my body's still changing, um hearing the fact that oh because I'm a black girl, I should be having this. I should be having that. It it sort of um, embeds insecurities in me as I grow yeah. up because it's like, oh, why isn't my bum big enough? Why don't I have that big bunda like like Nikki <laughs> or something like that? Do you get it? Like, yeah, I um, mean, black men also face that as well. Like, yeah, definitely. Like, with what's the name? What would be a good example? Like, you know, like how they see black men as like hench and built. Mm-hmm. And you'll be like, they're like, yo, I'm just 16. Like, what you literally, I'm like, still like, growing, bro. And even I when I do finish puberty, like, I'm still probably not going to be this because it's not necessarily like. That isn't it's me. It's not like a genetic thing where all black people are this, all black people are that. It's not, it's just, it is or it isn't, that. you know? It's just and like I think if, I, if any, um, especially like, I fear for my younger sisters because I have um, younger sisters. Mm. And just just the young girls in general that are younger than me who don't know, um, not even the ones younger than me because a, a, adult women do it too. Like if I go on Insta and I search up like people's top five favorite Insta models, like they're mm, all um, like me... I'm trying to think of examples, but nothing's coming in my mind right now. Like if I if I search up the the black ones, if I um, search up um, people's top five black Insta models that they love to like their pictures and comment on their posts, they all have the same body type. If you look at people like Jada, Cheeves, Chaves, Little Baby's ex-girlfriend, I don't know how to say her last name, Um, the one that's dated, Ari Fletcher, um, India Royale, like all these rappers' girlfriends, all these black rappers' girlfriends who are also black, you look at them and they all have the same body type. They all have them wide hips, big bum, big boobs, small waist. And it's like these women, we know some of these women don't have that body type naturally. And I think it's because 
it's been embedded in their head that oh because i'm a black woman i should be looking like this i should have the fattest ass i should have the biggest boobs i should have the smallest waist so they unfortunately risk their lives to get surgeries to have to achieve these things and i think it's really sad how that sort of just become like a common thing for people to just go to turkey or the dr or friggin um granada yeah just all these places to get surgery risk their lives because a lot of people died during bbls and yeah we don't, we don't hear about it that much especially the dodgy ones, ones as well yeah we just we just see the ones that um come out with good results and we think mm, yeah i want to do that and i think it's because black women especially are very hypersexualized from a young age and we don't just experience it from other races and other ethnic backgrounds we experience people, it in people. our own families as well young um, people yeah we've experienced it from our own people like um me personally i've experienced it with my stepmom and her my ex stepmom and her boyfriend like i would be because obviously like it's it's not secret that you know i have chest so i will wear a vest top and i'm in my own home as well so i should be able to feel comfortable dressing in whatever i feel comfortable in i'm wearing shorts and it's like I'm getting sent back to my room to change because God forbid my body's so like it's so tempting. It's I'm I'm doing too much. Like girls have to censor themselves and cover themselves up due to the fact that um we're seen as like promiscuous, we're sort of sexualized, like and I feel like that's what it is with all these BBLs. Girls are going out of their way not to feel people say, Oh, it's so I can feel comfortable in my body, so I can love myself more. But me personally, I don't think you'd love yourself any more or less having a different body. It's so that you fit that sexualization, that little fetishization that has been so normalized that everybody thinks it's great to go and get a BBL. Like if you want to get a BBL, I'm not trying to drag people for getting BBLs. If you want to get surgery, do what you like that it doesn't affect my life personally but i just find it interesting how you know this is the body type that everybody wants it's the body type that's trending if you will and i think it's a bit like weird and kind of uncomfortable that body types trend because yeah. it's like everybody's should body be is different yeah they shouldn't be glorified like and they shouldn't be so sexualized like a body is a body if you have more of this than that then good for you. Good for like, you. Enjoy if it. If you don't, but good for you as well. Yeah, if you don't, good for you as well. Just own it. Like, a lot of girls, mm. like, drive themselves crazy thinking that certain men don't want them because they don't have this or they don't have that. When, in fact, it's just maybe it's your insecurity that's putting them off because until recently, I thought, oh, boys love girls with big boobs and big bums and small waists like that's what boys love all boys love that but then if you look at um influencers or artists or just like famous people such as like Quayla Ray, Ariana Grande these small like petite women like these are grown-ass women these small petite women who have these small bodies but also have a very um large male fan base because of their body they're not they're not they own the fact that, like, I feel like being skinny is a thing where people shame you for it, and I feel like it shouldn't be. Mm. Like, if you're skinnier than some, then I don't think you should be shamed for it. Like, if you don't have big boobs or a big bum, then, like, that's fine. And I feel like a lot of people need to understand that. These women, oh. these um really successful artists, they are, they own it. Like, 
a lot of women, especially I see a lot of upcoming artists, they get BBLs or they get um their bodies um changed because like sex sells or something. And I think that's really unfair because you wouldn't ask a man, a male artist to do that. Like I've never seen a male artist like go to the gym for like a whole bang out gym for a whole year straight before he decides to release his EP or album because you know it sells like it's just crazy to me that as a woman you're expected to look a certain way to be successful and i think that's really unfair and it's a really horrible stigma that needs to just be like completely erased yeah it does need to be and you know where this comes from where it does it actually does you know (laughs) yeah it does it does it 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 really comes from like how society and especially how Western society kind of like treats our bodies, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like the like the mm-hmm. UK was a great colonial power. Like they stretched across mm-hmm. a fourth of the swords. Like they yeah. held onto so much territory and so many other ethnic groups that they kind of like they took what they were doing in England at the time mm-hmm. and they exported it to all these other nations. And like, yeah, cool. In Africa, the whole idea of you know, you know, you being too spirited or you being, you know, you don't fit into those traditional gender norms mm-hmm. were common. But once the British came in, they started to enforce like Christianity and what's the name? Yeah, of people saying, oh, if you are of this, you know, sexuality, you are going to be lynched, and mm-hmm. that's why so many people. Even today, that's why so many people are self self hating upon their own communities on mm. facts like sexuality. Like you and me, if we're on the same like boat, do you think they'll care that I'm gay and you're not? They'll do the yeah. exact same thing to you. Like exactly. you cannot be thinking that oh, because I'm straight, I'm now superior to you. Like no, like Definitely you're not. all the same kind of people. Exactly. I don't care if you're straight. I don't care if you're of the LGBTQ community, you are still my brother. Like, mm-hmm. I Definitely. do not care, kind of thing. Like, and you know one thing that's actually, like, really, really messed up as well? Like, when the British came what? to our countries, like, let's say, because we're both from Nigeria, Nigeria, right? They took our people mm-hmm. and yeah. they started making us infight, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like, the uh, mm-hmm. Alsa Fulani... There's Igbo, there's um, what's the name, Yoruba people. They mm-hmm. made a fight. There's so many for tribes. Decades. So many tribes. Like, like, there's even more than that. There's like, I think there's like two hundred different ethnic groups. Yeah. But they once they once the British came yeah, and they saw opportunity, they're like, you know that house man right there, he wants to take mm-hmm. kids. You see that Igbo man, he wants to take your wife. You see that man mm-hmm. right there, he wants to take your food. And you saw, only they start fighting. Like mm-hmm. that'll be the like the um, like the ho- most honest human reaction to have to fight, and they start fighting. Mm-hmm. And then once they said, "Oh yeah, we'll take your enemy, we'll take care of your enemies, we'll take them overseas," what they start doing, they start selling out their own brothers. Like that's kind of like, messed up to me because like you cause a rift within our own community. Like don't get me wrong, Africa has never been peaceful. Yeah, <laughs> For all of existence has never been peaceful. But you yeah. even made the situation even worse. By you even mm-hmm. funding these groups to even start carrying out terrorist actions against each other, like yeah, it's like um, your own that... brother into bondage. What are you doing? 
literally like, you're, you it doesn't make any sense to me like and it's so sad because it's um it's like has a like it's just put into us like it's sad because we even when the white people left even when the colonies um dissolved and even when the commonwealth like wasn't a commonwealth anymore the white people still left these things with our fellow yeah. brothers and sisters they still left these things in africa and if you think about how massive africa is like as an entire continent of course that's gonna go down through the generations and generations and they're happy I'm like the white people well. are happy to go back to their countries their countries like emphasize on the there because i don't believe people specifically belong to certain countries but the white people go back to their country happy and scot-free and it's like whilst we are sort of in their eyes acting like animals they come back and they sneak um underneath our nose and they take our resources they take our oil they take our gold our silver our, their, our ivory um everything like they take everything that's and actually then, one of the main struggles of africa like if i was to ever come into any amount of money and i was to be in africa i'd make sure that these groups are like kind of like I'd make sure these countries are stable, not like every single time they're like sending out their resources unsustainably mm-hmm. to these Western powers for no yeah, reason. For like, no reason. Like keep your own resources. Not everything needs to be sold. Like if you just mm-hmm. invested your money that you sold this resource for on investment or what's the Africa, name? Like, helping like, like West, I, um, I say Africa wouldn't be seen as a third world, third world country if that was the case, but. I hate the fact that people think of Africa as a country and not a yeah, continent. It like, yeah, you need bad. to realise... There's, like, how many countries in Africa? Like, yeah, there, there are many countries in Africa, so... Yeah. It's like... No, yeah. 20, no, how many countries are there in Africa? Syria? I don't know. Google it. I don't know. I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah, but there's a lot. Yeah, we can yeah. say there's a lot. Mm-hmm. And, like, from a Pan-African view, you not... Like with Nigeria and many Western, like Western African countries, mm-hmm. it is an issue with corruption as well. Where you're, oh, you're massive, like you'll take money issue. from the community and then not even spend it on the community. Like mm, you just siphon you money out. You and siphon money. The and selfishness like, is like, it's so bad. And like that's one thing the British also took. I'm sorry, advantage of the British also like yeah took advantage of and implied them better like they embedded it into us. Like mm-hmm. the idea of greed was from mm-hmm. like these kind of factors. Like, yes, definitely. Those, like Europeans in like Africa. Yeah. If you look at many of the tribes, they were organized on like a direct democracy kind of basis. With, like, a Wait, team. what was um? Uh, sorry, this is linking to your point. There is a is like the Mali a... Empire. Yeah, that's what I was just like. About they to say. were the highly Empire. developed. They were very highly developed and like, structured. At the time, oh, no, like Miriam, at the time, the Mali Empire, right? It was, I think, it was bigger than, I think, it was the most European, like colonies, not colonies, empires. Mm-hmm. Like once Mansa Musa went to what's the name Mecca, when it was on the yeah. route to Mecca, right? He sp- yeah. he legit had so much gold that he caused runaway inflation with this goods. Europeans were looking at him like, "Yay, this dark skin man!" Who, hey, <laughs> you're like, you are rubbish. He's like, how much does he have this much money? And like, from mm. time they went into Africa, like 
this is messed up. Like on an honest, honest level, this is messed up. Definitely, like, and it's and we're still suffering the consequences to this day. Like me and you, obviously, we both live in London. We live in England. Um, our parents were lucky enough to be able to bring us to a country in which we're offered more opportunities than if we stayed in Nigeria. But it's mm. like it still affects us because at you know at heart we're Nigerian. Our parents are Nigerian. We see the suffering that they went through, and mm. it's is getting to the point that people don't want their children growing up in that country. And it's sad mm. that you don't want your children to grow up in your motherland. We just go back for visits to see our family. And even mm. then, when we go back, we'll be there for like 10 minutes and the lights have gone off. The water's not clean. Um, like, the corruption no is running crazy. Water. There's, there's no like... Yeah, there's no constantly functioning electricity unless you're in the top, top, top rich percent, um, like 1% of the the country and i think the um the what's it called the corruption and the greediness of our so-called leaders is what is sort of keeping us down in a sense and i'm happy that stuff like recently like end sars um we saw yeah. what was happening um it was finally exposed to other countries how people are suffering at the hands yeah. of their own government I'm glad that, um, you know, obviously we're the younger generation as well, but the younger generation, the younger Nigerians are finally decided to stand up for themselves and take power because I just don't see how you can move forward with leaders who are stuck in like a, in a faraway generation. Yeah, like they're yeah. stuck in their old ways and they're stuck in a mindset to which isn't progressive at all. They're stuck in the like, greedy, selfish... Cool yeah like very conservative like, very right. very conservative like um that's why figures like bob risky are so popular because we all love some bob we love bob risky and it's like yeah um bob is so popular because bob sort of represents everything that the nigerian government absolutely hates like hates. the people of nigeria hate like they despise with a passion so yeah i personally I love bob risky um, yeah. I look at Bob Risky Snap every day and it just makes me smile because it's like you need to have a certain sort of cu- um, courage and strength to be able to even be who you are without being killed yeah. or thrown in prison just because you want to live life how you want to live life and I think that's really crazy to me yeah like we saw like Bob Risky as well like my parents usually talk about like do you know fellas fella Kuti yeah, um, he was a magician in like the seventies, I believe. And yeah. the way he acted, the Nigerian government hated him with a vivid passion. <laughs> like when I say vivid passion, his shrine, right? Like his way you used to record music, yeah. Yeah. Like he declared it like an autonomous state. <laughs> and, oh like, wow! <laughs> and like the Nigerian government, like one time they busted into it, and mm-hmm. it like threw down his like his own mother down the stairs oh, oh damn and, like they burn it down like because he stood for something that the nigerian psyche could not comprehend yeah like he I was like he was like redistributing funds that was scary community. to them isn't it yeah like... very, he, he was a very pivotal figure like he and my parents right now if, if i was to put on fella's music they wouldn't be dancing because <laughs> they love that man so much because he stood for something that was different at the time yeah not just oh you know, you do this, you do that, you do this. 
Bella mm-hmm. said, I live my own life. Whose business is it to you? Yeah, <laughs> like, whose yeah. business is it to you? Like, for Literally. how I'm living, you gotta tell me. Like, it makes no sense sometimes. But, yeah. like, yeah, like, all that stuff. I feel like, <sighs> I feel like all this, um, especially, like, I often think to myself, if the Commonwealth never happened, and Queen Elizabeth I didn't decide she wanted to explore all these different lands and mm. all the um all these colonies never existed or became colonies under the British Commonwealth. I think of how progressive the world as a whole would be. Because I agree. Very much. Um, it's not just about one country or this country. The Commonwealth, it was how many countries that Britain and um, Britain managed to capture and colonize. And it's it's a thing where like it just it pains me to think about because it's like our people will never be free and not just our people as in black people african people our people as a human race we just won't yeah we'll never be free we will never be free of this vicious cycle and it's like i feel like sometimes it sounds weird but i feel like humans as a race we evolved differently than i feel like we should have because yeah. if you look at how you're supposed to make a living today, and if you look at how you're supposed to, what's counted as success today, mm. it's it's actually really sad. Like especially in our society now, um, capitalism, all this um, social and economic problems that we face on a daily, all these wars that are being fought in countries that personally I believe we have no business being in. We have no um, business being. American and British troops in Iran and Iraq, like what in Syria, babe? My freedom's not over there. Yeah, <laughs> like fine. what? Like what Why is my freedom there? doing in the skull of a Palestinian kid? Like what is what is going Thank on? You. What are you doing, gang raping like, a bunch of children? Like what? What are you gaining from that? What? How does that benefit your country? I don't care if yeah. you're the most um, I don't care if you're the biggest patriot in your country. That that benefits your country in no way. That doesn't show your country's glory or your. If anything, country. it harms it. Yeah, it harm it harms the reputation of your country if this is what your troops are doing, and I feel like a lot of people are very ignorant. And again, ignorance is bliss. Like I'll be so real, I don't exactly know everything that's going on in the Middle East and why all the fight is happening. But people are very happy to be ignorant, blissfully ignorant, in the fact that children are dying every day. Um, mothers, old women, old men. Everybody, these people are dying for a cause that has nothing to do with them. And I feel like war is such a sad and harmful thing because not only is it harming the economic status of these countries, but it's it's just harming... It's lowering the quality of life. Like, yes, definitely. Like, if you look it's just at, like, harming ourselves morally. Yeah. Like, like, wait, can there's I no something? moral compass anymore, I don't believe. Yeah. Like, you know, like... For example, you're talking about wars. Like, if you look mm-hmm. at like Iraq and Afghanistan yeah. before the wars, yeah. like they were vibrant. Like they were actually very, very vibrant. Like mm-hmm. these places had universities. These these places had good social settings. Yeah. But once like these troops came in, Western powers, like legit, they came in, steamrolled it. Now there's mm-hmm. like craters everywhere. Like Syria used to be a very good country. Like mm-hmm. it used to be like I think it was like at NEE like in like early two like two two thousands, uh, yeah. And, like, it's messed up like, and it's like it's legit sad to see because like you see how it was and how it is now, yeah. And you're like, your heart if, just breaks. And you're like, and I feel if, like if that's didn't sort of... like invade this place, then they'll be Gucci. 
yeah, they'll be fine. Like, we wouldn't look down on them. We wouldn't think, oh, third world country. Yeah. It's just... And I think it's another thing that we can um sort of... Um, what's it called? We can, like, uh, um. connect with um race in Britain. Now, I know <laughs> it might sound a bit crazy for me to connect out, but I mean in the sense as, um, where Western powers, they see something they like, they take it and destroy it, and then they create some sort of cycle in which where that place, that country, those people will never... Unless it takes like it takes a lot of um strength and force, these people won't be free. It's just gonna be an endless vicious cycle. If you look at um black people today, if you look at prison systems in the westerns in West in the West in the Western world, if you look on the news, you just see another young black person being shot by police. A lot of um another ridiculous case of pr- police brutality. You see um social influence influential figures trying to justify this police brutality and you just think like where did we go wrong like why is the world like this um obviously we all know if everyone has access to social media or the news or something we all know recently young teenage girl makaya bryant she was shot four times by the um, a police officer when she called him for help because um something to do with i think Either was, two girls it was, trying it was, to fight it was her. It was yeah. basically, um, what's the name? Two girls, I think it was, yeah, a group of girls were trying to be up at her home and she mm-hmm. brought her a knife as self-defense, which is technically, yeah. in her state, legal, very, very legal. Yes. And she called the police and saying, these girls are trying to attack me. Help me. The police yeah. came, showed up, and you saw this, said, uh, yeah, let me show up this hole. But, but, but. And then, <laughs> oh, no, I don't want to laugh at that. No, I... I it like sometimes when you hear the situation, you're like, Yo. it's so ridiculous. Yeah, like, like you know, like with Botham Jean, like the guy that got shot in his own home, where a police, like a police woman, yeah, it was like, I fools my home, I fools this invader. How do you uh, think he's an how? invader in his own house? <laughs> and it's the fact that you're a police officer, you're supposed to, you're, you're supposed to know this position. stuff. Yeah, it's like it's like they're actually just giving these jobs to actual actual like, idiots on the street. Anybody like, who asks without any proper training, like I've, the amount of police training you get is lower than that of a barber's. What is going on? And like and, a barber um, has actually, to take more time to train than a police officer. Yeah, I saw a study about this about how um countries with higher rates in police brutality are also countries with um what's it called the least amount of time in police academy training like mm. if you look at countries like switzerland and the netherlands and stuff like that they don't have high cases of police brutality like america does like the united kingdom does and that's mm. because they take their time to actually train these officers because these are people who have everybody else's lives in their hands these are people who can make decisions that will affect a massive community a massive group of people and it's important that they are aware of this and it's important that they take advantage of their position for the greater good. Not that they get a small smidge of power, they get a badge and a gun or a taser and they just go apeshit and start killing the first Negro they see on the streets, you know? Like, (laughs) it's just, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, see Negro on the street, 
<laughs> it's, it's sad like we joke about it but we're joking but it's, a, it's only deep it's very deep it's very deep it's very very deep and it's very heartbreaking to see like me personally i hope i'm not the only person guilty of doing this when i see another black person who's been shot by the police another unarmed black person who was complying who was not resisting arrest i must add i stress that to the utmost importance they weren't resisting arrest getting killed beat up um just abused i skip these posts i i don't want to watch these videos anymore i'm Mm. sick and tired of it and this has been going on way way longer than my entire life has you know i'm 16 years old this has been going on for far more than 16 years but it's still in these um decades centuries well i've had i've had instagram since like 2016 and it's 20 well in the past like five years i've had insta I'm already sick and tired. I'm sick and tired of seeing this. So I can only imagine how our grandparents and parents feel having to witness this stuff go down every single day. How many, how, like, especially in Britain, like, mm, how many, how many Stephen Lawrence days can we get? How many times can we, um, how many Mark Duggan protests can we have? How many riots can we get? Like, it's getting really tiring and it's really sickening and it's like, Sometimes I just think to the white people, like, are you not tired? Like, like are you actually are you not, not tired? tired? Like, is there no rest? <laughs> like, is, is there, there no, no end to your killing spree? Like, what's going on? Thank you. Like, are you actually not tired of holding so much hatred and resentment to a group of people based on the colour of their skin? And then it's also based on the stereotypes that come with the colour of, color, color of our skin. And it's like, whoa, big surprise. These stereotypes came from the same people who are killing us. Mm-hmm. So you look at a black person and you feel threatened because especially a black man, you look at a black man and let's say I'm a white police officer and I feel threatened because in my mind, I'm associating his colour with all the stereotypes that I've been taught through the media, through schools, through education, mm. through just through anything socially and i think oh he's probably involved in gang activity he's wearing a tracksuit his hoodie's up he's intimidating oh no yeah um he's definitely a thug i feel already looking at that person this is before i i just don't feel like you can make a fair judgment by looking at someone and seeing them seeing the clothes they wear the hair um how their hair is how how they stand their posture how they walk you can't make a fair judgment based on these things a black boy wearing a tracksuit um walking about at night who's walking with a small little stagger or a little limp you know that typical you know that typical walk that <laughs> that typical walk it's yeah. like i could look at him and i could think oh he's probably involved in a gang he's wearing a tracksuit his hood is up oh there's probably yeah. a shank in his pants that's why he's walking like that more times, this poor boy probably just hurt his ankle playing football and tracksuits are just comfortable for him, you know? Yeah. Like, it's so easy to make the wrong judgments based on what we've been taught in the media. Yeah. And I think stuff like the way the media enforce stereotypes seriously need to be regulated and addressed because yeah. I don't know I don't know how many times people can repeat these statements. Not all black people are criminals. Not all black people are thugs. You know, not that, all Muslims yeah. are terrorists. Not all, not all old white men with bold, bold ass heads are paedophiles. You know how many times can we yeah. repeat these statements? These stereotypes that you enforce aren't true. They yeah. are not true. They're just stuff that you generalize with a race or an ethnic background or a religious background, and you just sort of run with it. And 
these stereotypes do way more harm than they'll ever do good. They don't do any yeah. good. They just do harm. They just spread hate. And it's sad because they're, unfortunately, people so ignorant in this life that they don't do their research. They don't mm. They don't bother to do their research. They just blindly follow everything they see in the media and the news, which is why they're scared when they see a woman wearing a hijab or a niqab. They're scared because they're ignorant enough not to... They're blissfully ignorant. They're happy to be ignorant so as to not educate themselves on yeah. what the hijab actually represents or what the niqab actually represents, you know? And Preach. I feel like... Preach. I feel like... I feel like the the more people that take it upon themselves to educate themselves and to actually enlighten themselves on these things, the better our future will be. And I say this mm. because it is our future. We are the younger... It's going to be our future soon. And it's like our parents and our grandparents have made such a mess of this world to the point where it's like they're all going to die by the time we have to deal with the consequences. Yeah, And... I feel like the sooner they can fix their problems while they're alive, the better for us and the better for our children and our grandchildren. Yeah, and you know, back to the point of like the media, mm-hmm. like the way that they perpetrate like stereotypes, there's a good yeah. book you can read. It's called Manufacturing Consent. Mm-hmm. And basically, it kind of embeds these ideas inside people's heads saying, yeah, black people. They're way more likely to um, what's name commit a crime, and yeah. once people are like police officers or someone like you know like a teacher hears that, they're like, yeah. I believe that. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna look at them from a different lens now. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that, 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 yeah. You, give them five years, you're gonna be school. you're gonna be trapping like. Yes. And that's why so many systems of oppression that what we're gonna go into next soon mm-hmm. is like that's why so many active cases of racism still happen today. Like, mm. how do we know they're they not true? Start, they, start, they start from things young. like school. They start from young. They start from your school, how your teacher treats you, how your teacher yeah. views you. And it's it's a thing where, um, you know, black people in general, but I'm going to stress on black men because, uh, you know, like, these are mm. the people that are affected the most, if you will. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying black women are affected, but black men are affected more. Yeah. Um, It's like... They take these um, things to school with them. They take them to their workplace with them. These ideas that this black person is probably going to grow up to be this and that and the other. Mm. And they treat them like that thing before they've even become it. So mm. that sort of puts in that young black boy's mind that my treat- my teacher treats me like I'm a, c- I'm a, a common criminal. I'm a thug. So it sort of um, indirectly is encouraging them to yeah. be this thing and, and you don't see me any differently so why should i yeah aim? it's like you don't see me you don't have any faith in me you don't have any hope in me you treat me like i'm dirt so why 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 shouldn't i become this dirt that you treat me like and i feel like it's really sad because a lot of young black boys think that mm. that's why they they tend to join gangs and they tend to because they don't have any faith in themselves um, they may not get the support they need at home. They don't have any faith at home. And school is somewhere we spend um, how many years of our life at in. And it's like these teachers, these teachers who we um, grow up with, essentially, they don't have that faith in us either. So these young black boys lose, lose faith in themselves. And it's actually really sad because it's like, at what it just continues the cycle of which It continues the cycle. It continues and enforces the cycle. It makes sure the cycle never ends. It makes sure the cycle never breaks. 
because at what age real talk like i would love for somebody to to tell me what age a black person becomes a criminal a black person becomes a thug you know it's not like our bar mitzvahs that jewish people have when they're 13 where they become a man or a woman it's not it's not a thing where it's like a monumentous event where okay yeah you you've completed the transformation my guy <laughs> you become a full like, criminal like you can finally trap criminal. in the house like is, you are no such a dealer there is like, no age so it's like, like your nursery teacher like boys who are in gangs now your nursery teacher probably at one stage looked at you and said yeah at this age you can read that and it's like I feel like that's why we have to... It's sad, but we have to... We need work. to unlearn stuff. Like, Pardon? We have to unlearn, like, unlearn stuff, kind of. Yeah, like... we have to unlearn these things and we have to work 10 times harder to break mm. these expectations and stereotypes. But then even then, sometimes it's like we're working our butts off to prove that we're not this and we're not that. And it's like, why do you even listen? My mother said they don't even listen. Yeah, they don't even listen. I think it's very unfair to put on somebody that... They need to be this or they need to be that just so a white person doesn't view them otherwise. I think it's a very unfair thing to put on someone and I just don't understand why you would say that to somebody. And, like, we can talk about, like, active cases of racism now, like, from that point. Like, if you look at, like, the prison to school, sorry, school to prison pipeline, it's very real, you know? Like, on a Very, on a, very real. Like, um, the if way you look that at they how like if they if, sorry, but if you look at how they nitpick like certain students to like mm, I was just about to that say role that. in prison kind of stuff like yeah. and like it's bad like because the actual state will implement all these reactionary like things into our communities like drugs and weapons yeah. and like they'll say oh he's doing that put him in jail like mm. that's how the whole prison industrial complex came about because like they said okay. One thing that you do, like, in the 1800s, what did black people usually do? Like, they'll, like, hang around in, like, groups. They started calling mm-hmm. it gangs. Oh, you're in a gang mm-hmm. now. Oh, you're in Then, what's yeah. the if you take any drugs, like, there's any drugs, like, even if a white person takes it, like, for weed, I think it's 2.5, wait, 2.25, um, what's the name, times more likely to be arrested for weed position if you're mm-hmm. black than if you're white. And mm-hmm. if you look at the discrepancies there, the only reason why they're even charging people for weed is because they know mostly black people use it. Same with crack mm-hmm. cocaine, same with all these other drugs. And yeah. on, a, on a bigger point, with drugs as well, the fact that in healthcare, as we were talking about before, that they give yeah. these people massive amount of drugs. Like, these drug, com- these drug companies are making bank. Like, absolutely mm-hmm. lots of money. And they just over-prescribe people with, like, opioids and they want to now criminalize it like you can't do that like yeah you can't, say you can't distribute can have it and this moment i can't have and it and like, penalize the same person for having yeah, you that can't. like it makes no sense like yeah like the prison like the u.s has the biggest prison population of any country like even like the you know so-called like dictatorships like china yeah. or russia they don't even yeah. have that many people in jail like and yet, a, it's because American really Americans find anything. They find ways to capitalize everything and anything. Everything, and the reason why it's the prison industrial complex is even there is so they can make money. 
Like, yeah. you, like if you look at like the Thirteenth Amendment in the Constitution. It says slavery is prohibited unless you have committed a crime. When you commit a crime, yes. that's the loophole. That's when they say, "Oh, what are you doing now? Oh, wait, you're doing something right now. Okay, that's a crime. Oh, wait, you're doing it now. Go on jail. And then guess what? Once you're in jail, they make you do prison labor. And guess mm. what? Now you're stuck there for twenty five years doing menial labor for like I think it's eleven hours a day for nil. Literally for like, for money for that nil. you couldn't even go to friggin' shops. I couldn't that. buy like a bag of chips with that. Literally, yeah. Like, and I think Chris, sorry. going back to your like, point on the, oh sorry, yeah sorry no, no go I, on. Uh, um, going back to your point on the school to pipeline system, um, I definitely have seen that firsthand and have experienced it, um, in the sense that you know me and Tay we both go to the same school, and my ex friend group I'm no longer in that friend group now, um, it's majority if not all, literally all of us are black. And there's about how many of us? I'd say there's about like 15 of us all together. And obviously friends, we hang out with each other. Um, Bear in mind, we're not friends because we're all black. We're friends because we have other things in common. We just all happen to be black. And I remember in years like year nine and year 10, where we'd all be chilling in Central Square, um, which is like the main hall in our school. And teachers especially members of the slt whom of which i'm pretty sure mr mr s yeah mr s is the only ethnic slt member and there's probably about like 10 slt teachers senior leadership team teachers um they would continuously like break us apart they would say there's too many of you in one group you guys need to go here you guys need to go here and then if you look at the white people in our year group, you know, the friend group I'm speaking about, um, there's probably about up to 10 of them, like all together, if you think about all of them, that usually chill together. The teachers wouldn't even glance their way and tell mm. them that there's um, too many of them in their friend group. And I think that's very interesting because it's quite a blatant, it's not even a microaggression at that point. It's sort of like it's active. It's a very active. It's an active aggression there. Like it's a passive aggression. Like, oh, you guys, um, you need to split up. There's too many of you in one group. Like this gang of friends. The word, the use of the word gang, when you're talking to a group of young black children, it it shouldn't be happening. Don't try and make it seem as though we're getting up to no good. We're in school. What are we? What are we doing here? We're just talking. It's just really frustrating. Yeah, like, you know that one time I posted that thing saying it's only a problem when black boys start to gather around in groups? That kind of mm-hmm. thing. Like, why do they see automatically as, yeah, well, this will conspire they associate, they associate us. They're strength in numbers. Everybody knows this. This is, mm. this is not something that isn't common knowledge. There is strength in numbers, which is why when you take people away, when you have certain far-right um far right anti immigration anti ethnic people um ethnic wait what what am i saying groups just far right groups crazy far right groups which is why they have strength in numbers you only see them when they are in these groups it goes the same with um groups of friends groups of black people um it's intimidating to them it's very intimidating to them because if you have a singular black boy who's already intimidating simply just because he's black and probably tall and if you have like a 
group of more than five of them. Oh gosh, only God knows what they're getting up to. They're oh, they're trying to do steal, crime. They're gonna steal my credit cards. They're gonna bang fraud. Like <laughs> it's like it's so ridiculous. I have to laugh because it's it's a very irrational fear, I believe, and it's a very irrational thing to try and dissolve like massive groups of people. It's just weird to me. Yeah. And like let's add on one more thing on to the discussion. Like okay. look at like, the rise of the groups that you're talking about, like the far right groups. Mm-hmm. Like the way that they organize and like how they perpetrate like different things yeah. is very dangerous because like if you look at like, how UKIP for example, mm-hmm. right? Might not want to be mentioning their name, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> yeah, let's say for them, the way that they promoted like anti-immigrant stuff yeah. for like years. Mm-hmm. And like how it embeds into the mind of like young working class men, especially men that are not of colour. Cold word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for them people. And it kinda like like, because I have white friends as well, and some of them, I had to distance myself from them because, like, they were, like, spouting very hateful stuff without them even knowing it. Like, some of them would say, oh, like, one time uh-huh. during, like, the Black Lives Matter protest, they're like, don't you think this will just make everything more violent? Don't, don't, don't you think this will just make everything worse? I'm like, so me fighting for my own justice is bad, yeah? They're like, how, how much yeah, worse can it get at this point? I'm like, Yo, like, so you're talking this vocally, but when it's me getting murdered, dare I say you say nothing? Yeah, I must, I, I hate must, PM. Handle, yeah, like, you can't be saying that. And, like, these the way that they like they integrate into like normal people's like lives is very dangerous. Mm. Like, it's like very if we look at if we look bad. at people like our home secretary, Preeti Patel, yeah, I named the name. Um, if you don't know who Preeti Patel is, she's the current Home Secretary of the UK, and she is also a member of the Conservative Party. She is, um, you know, her nationality is British, but I, I believe she is of, um, she is of Asian descent. Her parents yeah, are, she's of Asian. yeah, her parents are South Asian, I believe. She is, um, sort of known, especially to me, for her outlandish comments and her very. I think a rational very bad, very 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 bad, bad. very very bad comments. Like he told people to take immigrants to AI. Yeah, um, about immigrants, about her anti-immigration, the anti-immigration laws that she tries to bring into the country, despite her parents being immigrants themselves. Um, recently, not too long ago, I'm pretty sure she deported a bunch of I can't remember how many, but a bunch of Caribbean people who actually came here during who are members of the Windrush generation who came here as a as a what's it called? Um it's basically like know. a project to like rebuild England at the time kind of thing. Yeah, and I think it was also because like members of um ex Commonwealth ex Commonwealth countries were allowed to come and become British citizens, I think. Originally, yeah, that was like a thing. Um, who came here to help rebuild? Um, what was this after World War Two? Yeah, right after World War Two. Right after, or like way after. Right, right after, like because yeah, Britain so was who came, messed. So who came to this country 
to rebuild, help rebuild England and who came for better job opportunities to be able to send money back to their um, families back in the Caribbean. And it's like, they've what, lived in, these country, in this country for how many decades? And all of a sudden, she's coming in and she's trying to send them back to the Caribbean. And it's like, well, no, these people are just as British as you are, as a white man named friggin' John is. Like, you, being British isn't the colour of your skin. Being British is your nationality. You're born in Britain. You grew up in Britain. You are British. As um, As much as I hate to... It's not something I go around boasting about, but yeah, I'm British. You can hear it in my voice. It's um, you can see it in the way I do certain things, in the foods I eat, in the mannerisms that I hold. I am a British person. You look at me and you think she's African or she's Caribbean or she's Jamaican or something. It's like, well, yeah, but I'm British. You know, that's my nationality. I am a British. I am a British person. So so are these people, so are these members of the Windrush generation, they're British now, their children are British, their children's children are British, and for you to come in and decide to send them to to um islands and places that they haven't been in decades, simply because they don't fit your white British um pretty little picture, I think that's really hypocritical, especially the seeing as the fact that she's not white herself. She's simply married to the white man, uh, a foot soldier of the white man, if you will. Um, <laughs> I personally believe her to be like, I really do not like this woman. Like, she aggravates me to the highest extent. Very fair. I don't like her. No, and I think a few weeks, a few months ago, she was being interviewed. I can't remember on what news channel it was it was probably sky news or itv news some news channel and they were talking about the black lives matter protest that recently took place in was it the first lockdown and she made the comment yeah. that she thought that the protesting was unnecessary and she thought that the people who were protesting were simply just actually aggravating police more and the police um they responded in a very um, very just bad way personally i believe it it wasn't needed the violence that they showed to protesting to the protesters because protesting is a right that everybody has and these were peaceful protests turned violent and aggressive by the police peter patel tried to make it seem as though these protesters came out to protest in the hopes of causing commotion and chaos when it's like no your metropolitan police people are doing that um she also said that she agrees with the response of the police as they were being threatened and aggravated. And it's like, no, the police are just simply here to uphold the law Your and system, keep peace. Yeah. yeah, they're not here to disrupt and just, like, take advantage of the law even. Mm. It's like, protesting isn't against the law, especially when you're peacefully protesting and it gets turned violent by the people who are supposed to be there to protect you. Mm. I think it's very, it's very interesting that she had those views for protests um, that was sparked due to not just one black man. George Floyd was the, the... murders of black people. A string of murders of black men, women, and children. Um, so, yeah. And these are people who are... She's she's Home Secretary. You know, I, I think it's quite fair to say she's quite high in power in our government. And she, she chooses to use her position and her power to spread opinions and ideas like that and i think that's more harmful and more dangerous than the peaceful protesters that she was convincing was that she was convinced that was so dangerous and 
aggressive. Yeah, I know. So, you know, with Priya Patel, mm-hmm. it might be a side note, but she tried to introduce an anti-protest legislation, which would make any protest that was deemed, you know, not nice by the government, which is a lot of protests, you know, protesting for, you know, civil civil rights. Yeah. They are threatening to arrest protesters for 10 years. And in, it came in the wake of the murder of Sarah Everard, right? Yes. And one thing that was made very clear is that they deal way more heavily with protesters than rapists. Oh, and you know why? That, the way, the way, it wasn't even a protest. It was a vigil that was it's being a vigil. held. It was a peaceful vigil being held in the memory of a young woman who sadly lost her life to the hand of a police officer, officer. A police officer who they tell us are there to protect us. But even Sarah Everard, as a white woman, wasn't fully protected. Her whiteness didn't protect her to the point where she was, um, like, her death was prevented. So I think that's crazy, honestly. Yeah. And, like, the fact that, well, I don't want to go on, like, an anti-police, you know, trident <laughs> or anything, but, like, the whole point of police here is flawed in the modern yeah. sense. Because, yeah. like, they're not here to upload, like, sorry, up, uphold, like, any protection of the people. Yeah. They're only there to serve for the work that the ruling class is, like, material needs kind of thing. Yeah. Like, they're only, the only supervision that they have is the state. And if the state is corrupt, and if the state does mm, not have all its citizens, I've always said and also, it's also a tool more, that... Yeah, they're not, they're not, re- they're not supervised they're not regulated they're not accountable for anything they do they're not accountable they don't hold themselves accountable and they don't take responsibility because it's like nobody else can force them to take responsibility now if we had if we had access to the things that police had access to the money the resources the cars the um the weapons then we would be in control but then again that's why the police are there because we can't get hold of these resources in massive numbers otherwise it would be like world war three up in this <laughs> up in here like <laughs> up in it would be crazy up in this <laughs> literally it would be it would be crazy so be crazy i've always i've always said that police definitely there needs to be an organization a division that have more power than the police but aren't essentially like the foot soldiers for the government so mm. but like there needs to be but it's quite hard to make a committee or an organisation who regulates the police who aren't corrupt themselves. Because yeah. the police aren't even supposed to be corrupt. The governments aren't supposed to be corrupt. The governments are what we know is the highest power. Um, mm. I mean, physically down here, you know, I believe, you know, God Allah is the highest power. But, you know, human-wise, police are supposed to be... I mean, the government's supposed to be the highest power in which we sort of report to. Mm. And it's like, they're corrupt themselves. So who is it that we can get that can regulate these people who we're given so much power to, who forget that they're only in their positions because the people voted for them. All these mm. MPs who've gotten too big for their boots forget that they're only there based on the votes of the people. They're only re-elected based on the votes of the people. You know, they can't they can't put themselves in these positions. People have faith and belief in them and they just completely take advantage of that and they destroy it. So it's who who can we get to watch the police? Who can we get to to you know who can we get to punish the police to be so much? Fair, 
in this current society. Yeah. Unless we create a new one. Yeah. It'll always be corrupt. Thank you. Definitely. Like, like if you look at, because I don't want to go on like a <laughs> socialist. Oh, so let's not get you started but on the whole Let me not get started on this here, but yeah. <laughs> like, under the system that we live in right now, where the material need is money, not human lives yeah. anymore. Yeah. Anything mm, that gets definitely. them any kind of money, money more than, we value money more than anything. Like, definitely. Yeah. The whole point, like, as I said before, with the prisons, the mm-hmm. reason why they're, even doing, why they're even doing that is because they can make cheap money off of labor. Yeah. Like, the only reason why the police are even there as the foot soldiers of the government, yeah, mm-hmm. is to make sure there's law and order so people, you know, keep investing in their country, keep on doing this, keep on doing that. The only reason why they do it is because of material needs. They don't care about how many yes. black people are giving, um, being murdered. They don't care they about the amount of um, name, women being raped. Monkey, they don't care about any of that. All they, they care, care about is the monetary incentive behind it. Like yes. if 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 How killing unarmed black people this. wasn't profitable, they wouldn't do it. If it was, if if a Muslim name arresting people was not profitable, they would not do it. They would that's not why, do it. That's mm. why so many. This why Period, like, so many systems have been rolled back because it was not a profitable business motive anymore. Yeah. Like, like the whole idea of slavery right now. If you were to say, "Oh yeah, I'm going to carry out slavery," people will look at you sideways and say, "Huh? Like, huh?" <laughs> like, <laughs> Like, in the UK, will be like, huh? Like, Literally. Like, no monetary incentive to actually saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to do slavery. Like, no. Like, they'll yeah. do it in more discreet ways, but they'll say, what are you doing? And mm. that, it just... It's, 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 like, thing, things like sex trafficking are definitely uh, more discreet. Like, it, we it's discreet, um, discreet sort of... Yeah, discreet slavery that we are aware it happens, but we don't exactly know who does what. Mm. how these girls how are it getting, runs yeah how it runs how these girls are getting kidnapped and forced into um like this horrible experience that they have to go through mm. i just find it so crazy that people are willing to just pimp out young 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 children um just for it's money provided. it's very perverted um, very perverted. it's very dis- i don't like, think there's a word to describe how like outrageous and abhorrent it is it's just it's, it's pure evilness, honestly, because how could you value money more than the the life Innocence and the mental stability the of, a young of a person, of a or young girl? Of a person. Like, as I say, certain stuff like that is a mental illness. Like, as, as you said before, racism is a mental and illness. all these other stuff are mental illnesses. If they you have still to be believe, mental illnesses. Like, it if doesn't you make still any sense. have those beliefs, those traditional beliefs that, oh, black people are inferior, uh, sorry, not superior to other races. If you still yeah. think, oh, yeah, women are weaker. If you still think all these other stuff are still in your heads, my friends, you need to get checked in your heads. You need to get checked. And <laughs> because you have to do mental gymnastics to even justify yeah, those. Yeah, to justify it. And the fact that you even attempt to justify it is grounds for mental illness already. It's grounds. Like, some of these things aren't justifiable. The fact that people try to justify them is just absolutely crazy to me. Sometimes yeah, like, I, I kind of I laugh in my mind when I'm arguing about someone with racism or discrimination because a part of me is like, why am I even arguing about this? Like, it happens. Like, I yeah. don't know how we can stop it. There's no argument here. And it's just funny that people try to justify, especially when I see videos of um, 
um i see videos i saw a video recently that a lot of people have been posting on instagram about um someone made a video clip of a white man who had like on a plane wait what was was he on a plane no he killed i think he like killed a bunch of people or something like that and the police were giving him water, like literally. Giving oh, him, yeah. Um, Carrying us, we're carrying us. Yes, Sorry, I was that, about a yeah, that one. They were giving him water and medical assistance, and um, that was the top clip. And the bottom clip was uh, like a, a little compilate, compli- compilation, compilation, compilation. That word. You're right. You're <laughs> right. First. Of um, of videos of black people being abused and assaulted by the police, and. All these comments, majority of them were like, this is outrageous, da 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 I can't believe this happened. Thank you for making this video for showing how obvious the racial bias is. And I was seeing a few very ignorant, obnoxious, just stupid comments like, well, this video is stupid because um, those, pe- those black people were resisting arrest. That's why they were getting assaulted like that. Yeah, like, these black no people weren't, resist- uh, they weren't resisting arrest. No, but... Like, I literally also, saw a video of a police and um, there were three police officers pinning a man down to the ground. One ran out of nowhere and like sort of karate kicked my man's head and he was geez. already on the ground. It's like, what do you mean he was resisting arrest? Like, you're just abusing your power. Yeah, like, and also Miriam, you know when they say that um, police, even if, like, even if someone is resisting arrest, yeah. still, you cannot be the judge, the jury, and the executioner. Mm-hmm. Your whole job is to bring them yes. into those systems, not yes. to kill them. Yes. Legit, that's the whole motto of the thing. I am resistant, not, I'm not the judge or the jury. I can't resist- judge. I can't I can't take away their lives. Like, you can't. You can't. And the fact that people actually stand there and make the decision that, okay, this is what I'm going to do now, it actually baffles my mind. Like My mind's absolutely blown by the fact that people do that. Because it's like, Resisting arrest has no threat on your life. If the person if, runs away, if they're running and, away, you you shoot them in the back. You're them. coward. Like and if you shoot them in the back, you're coward. No, and it's the fact that yeah, if you shoot them in the back, not only are you a coward, but it's the fact that you have the resources and the men to be able to chase that person down. Is we all know it's very easy for the police to track people down. We have mm. things like CCTV, number plates, GPS. It's, Our phone it's not even. hard. It's like, exactly. They can it's, not hard. it's not hard to track this person down if they run away. It's mainly your pride and ego as feeling as though you failed as a police officer by letting them escape that puts you in that position where you think, okay, this is what I'm going to do now. And I'm another thing, that. if a person is resisting arrest or is actually threatening a police officer's life, there are ways to disarm them that don't result in the ending of that person's life. You can shoot them in the leg. You can shoot them in the arm. You can shoot them everywhere that just isn't their core center or their head. A place where you know if you shoot instantly, that person will die. And you don't need more than if if I'm if I'm if I'm getting arrested and I happen to be wielding a machete or something and I break free and I'm swinging the machete in the officers' faces and they're feeling threatened, they're feeling scared, they're feeling like their lives are in danger, and they decide now they need to dis- they need to try and disarm me and disable me. If I get shot in the leg and I'm running away from them, I'm not going to continue running. I'm pre- yeah, I've I'm never been stop. shot before, but I'm pretty sure being shot in the leg, you're not going to continue sprinting like Usain Bolt. It's going to dis- it's going to make you fall. It's going to make you trip. It's going to slow you down so that 
the police officer can call for more backup and run and get me. There's no need for them to shoot me in the head. There's no need for them to shoot me in the back or in the chest or in the stomach. It doesn't make any sense. I, I've never personally understood why their first response is, yeah, let me shoot this person in this place where you, it's quite obvious. I've never shot anybody p- before personally, but I know like if you would shoot this person here, they're going to die. It doesn't make any sense. It's to me. basic logic, like shooting it's someone in the head. It's very basic logic. And it's like we, you're not doing yourself any favors because now it's just another reason why the police and why uh, members of the public don't trust the police, don't like the police anymore. When I was younger, I used to think police officers were so wonderful and so brave, and they were the heroes of society because they're keeping us safe. They're risking their lives every day. They're risking. The fact that they're not going to be able to see their wives and husbands every day just for the safety of the common people. But it's like, as I've grown up, I've realised that's not the case at all. They, they're they happy to have this power and they're happy to abuse it. And it's really disgusting what power and money and greed will do to a person. It, like, There's just no moral compass at all. Like, It's really disgusting. Mm. And like to end off this episode, yeah, I mm-hmm. want to talk about the rise of hate crimes especially towards asians and blacks as well mm-hmm. kind of thing as this kind of ties back to like what i was talking about like with ukip yeah like, it creates such a toxic mindset of yeah. where you create this problem where you, where you basically manufacture this problem yeah and you leave these impressionable young men to further in their rage against this issue that doesn't even exist like, yeah, like, migrant, it like the migrant issue doesn't even exist. It properly. exists in their heads. It exists in their head. The, and the that's idea why of, of them a, go against the, them. The idea of a Britain where it's um, the majority are ethnic minorities and the minority are the white people, it's, it's, it doesn't exist. It's not going to exist. It's not it exists exist. in people's head. It's an irrational fear and it's not logical it's at it. all. And like, when you leave these men or these people to just like, pen up their emotions saying if all oh, these people are taking our jobs they're taking this they're taking that they're taking it and they see someone of that description of course they're going they're, to like they're going yeah. to have bad intentions toward that person yeah they're the gonna only, have some sort of so many people are, like the hate, number of hate groups in the uk and us are growing at the moment and that's very scary for like people that's like you very, and asians yeah. and many other people of color because like they'll People tell them lies that don't even make any sense. Like, they don't even talk to, like, a black person or someone that is of, you know, ethnic descent about yeah. these issues. They'll just speak about it. Like, you'll just... They call it, like, they're kind of caught in, like, an echo chamber kind of thing. Where, yeah. like, they're only fed information that makes them feel right kind of thing. Mm-hmm, definitely. And it just creates more and more anger, more and more hate. And then stuff like Charlotte's will happen. Stuff like, what's the name... Like, you know, the right happens. Some stuff like, you know, like UKIP marching, uh, what's the name, EDL marches happen. Like, it just, it's really, really, it's, really bad. It, it happens, like, what they're fighting for, what they're trying to protest for, what they're trying to change doesn't exist. Which is it why, me exist. personally, I look at groups such as the EDL, I look at groups such as UKIP as a joke. I look at them and I feel sorry for them because these are grown-ass men and women who would rather waste their lives um, being paranoid and sort of thinking of a future that just isn't going to exist rather than actually getting their lives together. It's very easy to get drunk in a bar with John and Gary and Randy and Greg 
and talk about how the immigrants are taking your job. But no, honey, you don't have a job because you spend your day in the pub having a pint of beer, mate. Like, like these people are so. more qualified for these jobs than you ever would be. That's why they have the job, not because of their skin colour. Yeah. And also, to also add into it, sometimes it's not always their fault because sometimes these, like the business owners, right, mm-hmm. they'll provide so little jobs domestically and outsource it to like other like countries like China, Vietnam, Mm-hmm. all these African nations yeah and then the domestic people won't get any jobs so only they, they're like why am I not getting any jobs and that exact person that sold out their jobs yeah will say it's the people across the sea it's the people yeah. in that country but no it's it's the person that is limiting all the jobs that is making this issue even happen yeah you're blaming the wrong person you're, blaming you're actually the wrong person. blaming the wrong person there's That's no why... blame to be held within these um ethnic minority groups like you're yeah. blaming the wrong person like with like one thing like because obviously i speak about or i speak on a platform of like intersectionality yeah i might i might be black you might be this other color you might be poor i might be rich i don't care Mm -hmm. i'll still help you because i've seen struggle myself yeah i see you also struggle so there's no point of me fighting you but when When we've experienced the same thing when we come together and we fight the person that is causing the oppression together we are Mm -hmm. stronger power we are strong, that, definitely. That, that's the thing. And that's why, with the thing with fascists, like in the reactionary parties, example, is that like yeah. with EDL, they promised that uh, we're in a, like, a, like a war with certain people. Yeah. When a war They're sort of declaring place. a war with people that just aren't bothered to fight. They're not even bothered to fight. Like, do you mind how they're scoring home to their, like, their wives and kids at the end of the day? It's like, embarrassing. They, it's so embarrassing. They don't embarrassing. have a conspiracy. They don't have a conspiracy to take your job. Did you, yeah, they, all is, they want to do is just have no a agenda. There's, there's no, no agenda, agenda there. here. Like, you've created the agenda in your head, and you're sort of getting angry that you've realized the agenda actually isn't there. But you're sort of trying to um, egg yeah. it on so that it becomes. And like creating situations in your head. <laughs> yeah, they're just yeah, literally <laughs> like late night, like this imagining stuff, messed up like fantasies in their head of of a world where they're able to throw an egg at an Asian person because that person is taking their job and get away with it. Like, mm. it's very embarrassing. And it's quite frankly, like, just... Very embarrassing. Very embarrassing. Very. <laughs> like, what are you doing with your life? I grew what up. What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> what? <laughs> Literally, like, what are you actually like, doing? Like, you're, like, 45 years old. Mother- <laughs> You'll be, like, near your 50s and you're still crying about immigrants. Babe, it's... Nobody cares. Nobody cares. You can't make us care. It's what you think that we're gonna um send everybody again back to their countries. Like, no, this is our country now. A Greater Britain has been created due to the fact that, and I think like um all these British um British customs that people associate with Britain. Like, if I was to speak to American right now and they peg on. To the fact that I'm from England, I'm from Britain. They're gonna think. They're gonna ask me, "Do I drink tea? Do I do this? Do I eat fish and chips?" Tea isn't a British thing. It's an Asian it's thing. It's an, it's an Asian thing. And it, so yeah. if the Commonwealth didn't happen, um, Britain wouldn't have all these values all these and customs yeah. and traditions that they hold onto so dearly. All these things that make them such a great country come from other countries. Mm. It's like 
it just doesn't make sense. There wouldn't be the Britain we know today without the help of other immigrants and yeah. former Commonwealth countries. And I think the sooner all these far-right groups and fascists understand that, the less time they'll be wasting of their life crying yeah. about these Very issues. Much. And it's like, what? Hey. You're trying to protect the country that has been built on the backs of these other people who aren't yeah. you. Like, you know when people say, go back to your own country? I'm like, <laughs> I would happily, I would happily, happily. you dragged me here. Like, you legit dragged my ancestors here and even messed up my own home here. country. Like, and I would go back happily. I swear to you. If like, every, book my if, ticket right now. Literally. Like, if You think I want to be here? If every African, Asian, ethnic minority person went back to their country, these white people would just come and drag us back again. Yeah, they'll just drag us back. They'll just drag us back. Or they'll come back to, come. or they'll come to Africa and say, they'll yeah, we live here and now. Ru- yeah, they'll come and, it's like South... <laughs> it's like South Africa like a lot of uh, South Africa has a very big white population and the white people there are fine with being the minority because they understand that they weren't there first in a sense it's like us um, ethnic minorities we're fine with being that minority just as long as we're able to provide for the, our families and our children and live. and live and survive we're fine we don't care it's never been a goal yeah let's take over Britain push out oh, the white we're gonna, people we're gonna drive all the white people yeah over. it's never been a thing like yeah, the wives. all the white people white people are creating this sort of agenda for themselves and then it's like they get frustrated at us for not um entertaining it it's like what like, do you want us to do <laughs> like legit like grow up like what are you doing literally like, it's sometimes. it's so funny it's actually but, crazy yeah this has been the Black Experience. The Black Experience. Black Experience. Yes. Wait, can I can I add my socials? In case yeah. Plug yourself. Plug so- yourself. Go on. Um, if anyone wants to talk to me about any of the topics that we discussed today, or just tell me about their experiences or anything like that, or you just want to add me on socials and see how I look, my Instagram is Mizzy, which is M one Z Z Y. Again, M one Z Z Y, and my Snapchat is. Miriam, M I R I A M, Olaya, O L A I Y A, 22. There you go. Yes. <laughs> Has been a very good first episode. Very good first episode. Yes. We spoke a lot of facts, no cap. Literally. <laughs> Only a facts whole lot straight. of facts, no caps. Yes. But yeah. No this caps. This has been a black experience. And thank you for listening. Special thanks for our producer, Bakery Beats. And the funding for this podcast comes from you, the listener. The Patreon is in the bio of all our social media. Thank you for listening and goodbye.